Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. Hope you enjoy. Uh, Hey, if you're just joining us and if this is your first time with us, uh, my name is JJ and I'm the lead pastor here at Journey Church. We're so excited. We are in the midst, right in the middle, sermon number four of a six-week sermon series called You Asked For It. And what we did was this past Easter, we sent out a survey to 400 different people, and we got answers back. And the question was, what do you need to hear about? And every week, has, we've been answering the top six questions. And they have been going in order of popularity. That is, the last sermon we preach is going to be uh, the sermon that most people asked about. You guys want a little sneak peek of what that is? The number one question that people asked was, how do I deal with stress? So if you're stressed, if you can't even hear me right now, you're so stressed, come back in two weeks um, and, uh, and we will fix you, okay? We will fix you. Um, no. And uh, next week, the second most asked question, which is crazy to me, I think, um, I've, already, I've preached on it maybe three times already in the short life of our church, was help me forgive, which I think is significant to, to kind of where we are. And today, we get to talk about something that uh, I think a lot of us live through often. And uh, I'll get to it in a second after we read this Bible verse. Uh, man, how about last week, though, huh? Life management, how to manage your life. That was so good. Um, I, you know, I'm so, it blessed me. I don't know about you, but this week for me, it, it was a lot. Was it a lot for anybody this week? It was a lot, man. I was telling my wife, I said, babe, it's a lot. She said, a lot on who? I said, it's a lot on me. She said, that's your problem. It's on you. It's supposed to be on Jesus. I said, what? She said, yeah, you remember that sermon you preached? Supposed to put it on Jesus. I love it when my wife preaches my sermons back to me. It's a turn on. Anyway, um, I I was, and so I'm believing that today will help you just as much as last Sunday uh, helped helped me. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Luke, chapter 13, verse 6. Jesus is telling a story. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen, and you can just follow along with us. Luke chapter 13, verse 6, Jesus is telling a story. Jesus loved telling stories. Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always, say this word with me, disappointed. That was the question you asked for this week. How do I deal with disappointment? How do I deal with disappointment? Now, I don't know why you asked that question. I can take a couple of guesses. Maybe you are not in life, the place in life that you thought you would be at your age. Uh, maybe there are people in your life who you, thought who, who thought you thought you knew who they were, and they turned out not to be who you thought they were. Maybe your career is not what you thought your career would be, which is probably because your degree is not what you thought it was. Uh, maybe um, it's a promise that somebody kept or, or made to you, but just a few weeks after they made that promise, uh, they made it with tears. Um, it was broken. Maybe... Somebody let you down. There's too many different people in too many different seasons of life to hit it all. So let's just call it for the remainder of the sermon, a disappointment. Whatever your disappointment is, I need you to fill in that blank if you're feeling like somebody or something has disappointed uh, you uh, recently. And I, and I like this story, this parable. I'll explain what that is in a little bit. The story in this parable because I feel like in it uh, are the tools to guide us through a disappointment. And so let's keep, let's keep reading. Luke chapter 13, verse 7 Finally, the owner said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been not one single fig. Cut it down. 
It's just taking up space in the garden. The owner's saying, enough is enough. I'm tired of this disappointment, and it's time to deal with it. Because really, the only way you can deal with disappointment is by dealing with it. And I need to mention that because a lot of times the way people deal with disappointment is by pretending like they're not disappointed. And so it'll be like, oh, I heard you just lost your job. You'll be like, yeah, I lost my job. But God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. You're like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, all right. My bad. I just want to pray for you. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Okay. I heard you, your, your wife left you. Yeah, but Jesus found me. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, then I'll just go on my way. Then I, and I want you to know it's okay to have faith and it's okay to be optimistic, but don't pretend like you're not disappointed. Don't pretend like you're not hurt. Don't pretend like you're not like someone didn't fail you. Don't pretend like you don't feel insecure. Don't pretend like you're not doubting why, because God can't heal what you hide. And, and if you want to take a note, you'll remember this when you go home, he can only heal the real. And so you got to get real with God in order for God to heal the real issues you've got going on. And so this guy's getting real. He's not looking at the empty fig tree and thinking, oh, look, it, isn't it beautiful? Look at all those, the figs aren't there, but I can see the figs. You know, it's like, he's like, I want where my figs at. Somebody got my figs? Who got my figs? I want my figs. He's dealing with it. So you can pretend or you can deal, but don't pretend to deal. Verse eight, the gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. Somebody say one more chance. That's good. Give it one more chance. Leave it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. And if we get figs next year, fine. But if not, then you can cut it down. And so Jesus is telling us a story about an owner who is disappointed. Disappointed. But he's not just telling us that the owner is disappointed. He's also giving us a context to his disappointment so that you and I can know that his disappointment is valid. Because how many people know there is valid disappointment? And then there's like, you really ought not be disappointed about that. You know, there's invalid disappointment. Like if you failed, if you're a teenager, you're in college, and you failed a test, you know, uh, last semester, like it's okay to be disappointed that you failed the test. Just don't be disappointed that you were given a test. Like that's why you went to school, okay? If you are, uh, we're born before the 1960s and, and you are, you know, in the throes of receiving your social security checks or about to do that, don't be, don't, it, it, it's okay to be disappointed if your back hurts and, and, if, and if your hair is falling out. I get that, you know? It's okay to be disappointed. Just don't be disappointed that God lets you live as long as you're living. I mean, because what's the alternative? If he was really, if he was really merciful, he'd have smited you in your 20s? Like, what were we expecting? What were we expecting from God? Like, right, we, we, there's valid disappointment, and then there's, there's not so valid disappointment. And so the first step that I would give you for dealing with disappointment is examine your disappointment. Is it a valid reason to be disappointed? And if, and if it isn't a valid reason, but you still feel disappointed, and I want you to pretend like you're not, I want you to, to deal with it. I want you to make some adjustments with it. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, how to make those adjustments. Because recently, my wife and I were in the car uh, with our son, Zane, and I always tell stories about my kids. God, that's my life. So, you know, every sermon is going to revolve around Jesus and then those boys. And so we're in the car, and, uh, and we're pulling out of, uh, is it Aldi's? We're pulling out of Aldi's. Uh, we only go to Aldi's for fruit, by the way, because uh, it's cheap and it's frozen. I usually don't shop at places that make you pay for the shopping cart in advance, but uh, we're there. And uh, we're running a day full of errands, and the errands are done, and Liz comes into the car, with, uh, with a bag, and, uh, and Zane looks at the bag, and he looks at my wife, and he looks at the bag, and he goes, he goes, hey, mom, 
He goes, uh, did I behave today? And my, my wife is like, you, you did behave today, baby. You really did. You behaved real well. And then he's like, oh, so then you got my toy, right? The reason why he said that was because last week Liz was running errands with him all day, and then she felt led by the Lord in her heart to buy her, uh, her son a toy for behaving, you know, all day. And so last week he got a toy, and so this week uh, he was, you know, where's, where's, where's my toy? I was behaving. I didn't throw no fits. Where's my toy? And then my wife and I are like, but you don't get a toy for beha- behaving is what you're supposed to do, like. You, 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 you behave uh, so you don't go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think I You behave, you behave because behaving is the good thing to do. You behave because you love mom and dad and because you love God. You don't behave because you want a toy. And, and, and now Zane is disappointed. And Zane is crying and Zane is throwing a fit. And it's important for you and I to understand what he's disappointed about. He's not disappointed because he didn't get a toy, because we've walked out of stores before without toys in the past, and he never cried. you got to understand that the scenario was just right. He had just behaved. She just walked out the store. There is the bag. We were running errands. Follow me. He wasn't disappointed because he didn't get a toy. He was disappointed because he was expecting a toy. And the reason why Jesus gives us so much information about this man, this owner, is because he's trying to teach us about the root issue of disappointment. The reason why he tells us that the fig tree was two years old, was three years, was three years old when the gardener came to pick it was because a fig tree usually matures at two years. In other words, if I should be bearing fruit at two, I'm expecting fruit at three. Are you following me? The reason why he gives you the information that there was a full-time employee checking the limbs of the fruit is because if I, if I hire someone to do a job, I expect that job to be done. The reason why he goes out of his way to tell you that the soil is good is because if the soil is good, then I expect the tree to be healthy and bearing fruit. I'm trying to tell you the reason why this owner was disappointed was not because he had a tree that did not bear fruit, but he had an expectation that was not being met. Write this down if you're taking notes. Disappointment is the gap between expectations and reality. Disappointment is the gap between expectations and reality. You know, the worst church planning advice is very similar to the best marriage advice I ever got. I know that sounds weird. But the worst church planning advice I ever got was very similar to the best marriage advice I ever got. Worst church planning advice I ever got. It was a few, it was like a month before we were getting ready to launch Journey Church. This pastor invites me to come into his church to preach. And, uh, and I go, and there's not a, not a ton of people um, you know, but, but, uh, but it's cool. You know, I go in there, I preach. I don't, I don't care about that. I just go in there, preach my heart out. I get off the pulpit. He sits down with me. We're starting to talk. And I have this question for anybody who's been doing ministry longer than I, because I want to learn. I ask him. I, say, I said, hey, um, if you can give me one piece of advice for starting a church. You know, you started this church 12 years ago. Uh, what, what, could, what would it be? And he said this. He said, set your expectations low. I said, uh, Okay. Uh, he said, because he said, if you set them low, uh, you won't be, ever be disappointed. And I thought, um, well, that makes sense. Uh, the problem is, two weeks later, that man's church shut down. Two weeks after I preached. So I'm like, I, I haven't even started my church yet, but I've already ended one. Like, <laughs> this is not going to be good for Journey Church. Like, 
we're in trouble here. Um, <laughs> now, he was already going to shut down. I didn't know when he brought me in. It was already going to shut down. And here's what I learned from that. I'm getting advice from somebody who's not doing well. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You got to be careful when you set your expectation low because what I have learned is that your experience will often match the level of your expectation. That's why Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown. He gets to Nazareth and there are a bunch of people around him, but they're the people who saw him grow up, so they don't really respect him. And the Bible says that Jesus could not do miracles in Nazareth because nobody was expecting a miracle to come out of him. See, your experience, your experience will be determined by the level of your expectations. So, so don't try to protect yourself. Here's what, you need to, here's what I want you to walk away with. Don't try to protect yourself in life by having no expectations or low expectations. Because it's true, if you expect nothing, you will not face disappointment. But if you expect nothing, you will become nothing. So can't set your expectations low. Now, that's pretty similar to the best marriage advice I ever got. Now, the best marriage advice I ever got was actually from my father-in-law. The week I was getting married, which a part of me is like, why didn't you wait till the week I was getting married to give me the best marriage advice you ever had? I'm guessing it's he, he wanted to be sure that I was like legit, like I was in there. Like, he's a, like, it's like okay, yeah, there's no out. Oh, you are going to marry my daughter. Let me give you some advice. Now, now I want to I wanna listen to his advice because they've been married. How long have you been married? 48 years they've been married. So I'm like, yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, so... So 48 years they've been married, and he said this. He said, he said, don't set your expectations low. He said, set your expectations now. Because, because what protects you is not having low expectations. What protects you is knowing what to expect. Am I helping anybody today? What protects you is knowing what to expect. And so my wife and I, it was kind of too late. We were already getting married. And so, you know, we're in the, we're in the lazy river in, our, in Cancun at this, at this resort that we're at. And we're chilling our floaties. And we're like, so what do you expect from me? We're just chilling, and, you know. And uh, we came up with this list of things. I didn't want to bring the whole list out to you. But I'll, I'll tell you three of mine, and I'll tell you three of hers. Um, and I told her, I was like, well, you know, one expectation is I, I, I don't, I expect you to do dishes. That's not, I'm not a chauvinistic person. I just hate dishes. Also, I don't like laundry. So I expect to do dishes, and I expect you to do laundry. And I had a third expectation, but it wouldn't be appropriate to share with you from the pulpit. Her expectations of me, her expectations of me were, she said, I expect you to, um, to uh, uh, kill the bugs. I expect you to fix anything that's broken, which I'm like, girl, I'm a handyman. God damn, don't you worry about that. Call me Mr. Fix-It. That's what they do. Uh, and then the last expectation was I expect you to throw out the trash. Now, I remember specifically coming home from a very exhausting day of work, a very exhausting day of work. And, uh, and, and, and it was, I was just so beat. And as I'm pulling into the driveway, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, tomorrow's trash day. And, and I know that there's two cans full in the garage. There's a full one in the kitchen. There's a full one in the, in the guest bathroom. There's a full one in our bathroom. There's a full one in our office. And everything inside of me said, no. Garbage man going to come back next week. <laughs> and that's cool with me. Because I just want to lay down. I want to sit. I want to watch Netflix. I want to veg out because I just need to disconnect. Not in nine out of ten marriages that would have been a fight, but not in our house because I knew what to expect walking in. 
I knew it was not going to be easy. I knew it was going to be hard, but I knew it. And I accepted it. And even better, I expected it. I expected it. And so, and so because I expected it, I was not surprised by it, which leads to the title of our message. And I know you're like, dang, the title of your message now? I promise. It's not going to be long. Here's the title. I had to build it up for you so it would minister to you. The title, what were you expecting? Come on, tell three people. What were you expecting? What were you expecting? What were you expecting? Because if disappointment is the gap between expectations and reality, don't leave here wishing for a better reality. Leave here ready to work the right expectation. What were you expecting? Because if you're disappointed, that probably means you were expecting the wrong thing. What were you expecting? I want to help you get and set the right expectations for your home, for your career, for your marriage, for your life, for your relationship with God for Monday. I want you to set the right expectation for Monday. And, and, and in this parable, and I'll tell you a little bit about what a parable is. A parable is a story that Jesus shares, but what's unique about a parable is that in every parable there are different characters. And what, what's special about a parable is that the person who's telling the story ex, 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 expects you to identify with one of the characters. And so, and so in this story, we have three people. We have the tree, we have the gardener, and we have the owner. We're going to talk about each, each, all three of them and their expectations and their disappointments. And so sometimes we're like the tree. We're disappointed because we don't produce. We don't produce financially like we were expecting to. We don't produce in our work, like we were expecting to. We don't produce for our family, like we were expecting to. We don't produce spiritually, like we were expecting to. We don't produce in our school, like we were expecting to. But why are we disappointed? Because we are disappointed because there's an expectation, an expectation inside of us. What expectation? Well, we're expecting, and you got to follow this, we're expecting to produce through us what we believe is inside of us. Yeah, like, and I'll give you some examples to help explain that a little bit. Like, um, you know, an apple tree doesn't get upset if it makes oranges, if it doesn't make oranges. It doesn't get upset because it knows that oranges aren't inside of it. You know? I don't know if you've talked to an apple tree recently, but it doesn't get upset. It's chilling. Oranges, I don't know, I'm not an orange tree. I don't got oranges in me. An orange tree, by contrast, doesn't get upset if it doesn't produce olives, because it's like, olives aren't in me. I, I know that. A coconut tree, I know I'm belaboring the point, but doesn't get upset if it, if it doesn't produce, you know, watermelons, because it's, it's, not, it's not a watermelon vine. It's, it's not, like, they don't come from trees, so that'd be dangerous. Um, <laughs> I hate by watermelon. Anyway, uh, I get sidetracked sometimes. Uh, it doesn't get us because it knows what's in it. My question is, what happens when what we're producing is not what we believe is inside of us? When what's inside of us we feel like is potential, but the thing we keep producing are problems. When what's inside of us are dreams, but what we keep producing is destruction. When what's inside of us is like a bestseller. We're like, I feel like I got a bestseller in me, but you got one page on your journal, like written. That's all you have. What's inside of me is like a five-star chef. Like, I feel that, but, like, that's, but you're not a five-star chef. Like, your job is 
to hit the button at Chick-fil-A that turns the chicken. Like, what's inside of me is I love my family, but my family's falling apart. What do you do when you're faced with the disappointment of, inside of me, I feel like a CEO. Inside of me, I feel like a millionaire. Inside of me, I feel like a, like a, like a Hollywood actress. And inside of me, I feel like a world-famous blogger. And inside of me, I feel like I have this greatness inside of me, but I got this, this, this mundaneness outside of me, and there's a disconnect. I'm not producing what I believe has been planted. What do you do? That can be disappointing when you're like, but I know it's in me. I know it's in me. Well, I'll tell you what we typically do. The first thing we do is doubt that it's in us. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm not born to be this. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not called to do that. Maybe I had it wrong this whole time. Maybe everybody who told me that I could sing was lying, and they just, <laughs> we're, good, we're good friends. What, what, is that how we deal with doubt? Is that how we deal with disappointment? We doubt? Is, is it true? Is it true that, that, that it's not in you? I don't think so. You know why I don't think so? Because of the story. In the story, the owner comes, what do you call it when you try to take fruit from a branch? Pick it. The owner comes, and he's trying to pick the figs. But he's only trying to pick it because he knows that he planted it. What I'm trying to tell you is that if he picked you, it's because he knows what he put in you. And the fact that he picked you, regardless if you're producing it, the fact that he picked you is evidence that it's in you. You got it. And so what I'm telling you is stay planted. Stay where you are. It's in you. It might not be producing right now, but you just give it some more time. It's in you and it's getting ready. You got to believe it and you got to trust that the one who planted the tree knows what no one else can see. It's in me. It's in me. Tell three people, it's in me. It's in me. It's in me. You can't see it, but it's in me. It's not in my bank account, but it's in me. It's in me. It's in me. Come on. And if you're around, that means it's in you. I was talking about that, that, that 55, 60 plus crowd. You need to tap somebody in their 20s and their 30s right now, and you need to tell them, I still got it. Go ahead, do it. Find somebody who looks a little younger. I still got it. Because if you're still here, it's still in you. You need to know. I don't care how old you are, how sick you are, how broken you are. If he picked you and if you're breathing, there's still purpose. There's still a calling. There's still a destiny. It's in you. It's in you. Yeah. You need to walk like you still got it. Walk like it. Inside your, inside your broke down hoopty with no air conditioning, just, I got it. <laughs> I don't got it, but I got it. I got it. So what do we do? Do we doubt? Nah, you don't doubt because you got it. If he picked you, it's because he knows what's in you. He knows I planted that seed. He's coming to a fig tree, and he doesn't expect the oranges. He's expecting figs because figs is what he planted. So what do we do? You got to shift your expectation. Expecting to produce is fine. I want you to expect to produce. The Bible says you ought to be optimistic and expect that your life would be of, of great consequence. And so expect, I'm more than a conqueror, the Bible says, right? I've got greatness for you. Find all the plans I have for your life. All these good things. And so it's good to expect to produce, but you can't just expect to produce because it's a, it's a half expectation. Don't just expect to produce. This is going to help you out. Expect to be pruned. Yeah. 
You all know what pruned means, right? Pruned means to be, to be worked on, to be, to be developed, to be, to, be, to be clipped, to be dug up, to be, to be worked on. Don't just expect to produce, expect to be pruned because it's sometimes through the pruning that the production happens. Here's what the Bible says. Look, let's continue with the parable. Verse 7, and he said to the, to the gardener, the vine dresser, I had to change the version because I want you to hear this version. Look, for three years now I have come asking for fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Why should, what's significant about three years? Do you remember when I told you a fig tree matures by? Two years, that's right. Thank you for paying attention. Two years. These little details are important. You know why? Because a fig tree can mature by two years, but that's the earliest a fig tree can mature. A fig tree, catch this, can take up to six years to mature. Now, if I'm you, a huge weight fell off my chest. Because I thought something was wrong with me. But it wasn't that something was wrong with me. I felt the way I felt because of someone else's expectation that they put on me. The problem we have is not a dysfunctional tree. It's an impatient owner. We have an owner who's putting an expectation on the tree that the tree didn't even know it was supposed to meet. What I'm trying to tell you is don't let other people's expectation convince you of what you need to be or who you need to be or where you need to be in life. You're not my tree. You're not my branch. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to do it when I do it and how I can do it. I'm not going to let your expectations steal my joy. There's nothing wrong with me. Tap somebody. Tell them there's nothing wrong. Shovel. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm telling you, you need to get delivered. Husbands, tell your wives, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Say it with me. Say, I'm not wrong. Say, I'm not wrong. Say, I'm not wrong. Now, you got to be careful, Keith, because when when, when, whenever I encourage you, I'm getting ready to challenge you. So, 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 so I, you know, I get you saying, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. So you're happy. So you won't leave when I tell you the next thing. You're not wrong. And the reason why you're not bearing fruit is not because you're wrong. You're not wrong. Say, I'm not wrong. That's half the truth. You ready for the other half? You better say it with me. Either say it or say, ouch, one of the two. Say it again. I'm not wrong. But also, I'm not ready. You're three. It can take up to six. It wasn't that the tree was wrong. It's that the tree wasn't ready. Some of you guys would break under the weight of God's blessing if he gave you the thing that you've been asking for right now. It'd break you. God, I need a man. Girl, if you got a man right now, I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to go to my next point. I'm just saying, he knows when you're ready. You're not wrong. You're just not ready. And so God in his grace, if you can attach the two, God in his grace has kept you from your achievements. God in his grace has kept you from your success. God in his grace has kept you from the blessing. God in his grace, am I helping anybody, has kept you. From the promise in its grace, because if he'd have given you the thing that you wanted for, you'd have snapped. 
And so he, he gets to work on you. And how does he get to work on you? Luke chapter 13, verse 8. He said, the gardener says, so let it alone. I had to give you the, the, the ESV version. Let it alone this year also until I dig. Why dig? Because sometimes God's got to get to the root of the issue. I, let it alone until I dig. And then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on. See, I had to show you this version because the New Living Translation, which is the original, it said fertilizer. But sometimes we forget what fertilizer is. He said, he said, I'm a, I'm a, and then I'm gonna put some manure on it. Manure. You know what manure is. He said, but 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 I gotta do it. Why? Because I, I want to see it grow. It's not ready. But if I put manure on it, I can speed up the maturation process, and then we can all be where we want to be. You want to be fruitful? God wants you to be fruitful. The thing is that we forget how God gets us ready to be fruitful. He gets us ready by digging us up, by pruning our leaves, and by dumping manure on us. And so what I'm about to tell you might offend some people. What I'm about to tell you might clear out all the religious folk in church. What I'm about to tell you might sound cheesy, but I promise you never forget it. Don't expect to be mature without going through some manure. What I'm trying to tell you, I hope somebody stands on this one. What I'm trying to tell you is that I know you've been going through some lately, but it's that very same thing that's going to grow you. It's that very same thing that's going to build you up. It's that very same that you've been going through, that people have been giving through, that's going to sprout leaves, that's going to sprout fruit, that's going to get you the way God wants you to be. And until you start seeing your failure as fertilizer, Until you start seeing your failure as fertilizer, you will always be there. But it's when you get to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, come on, put it on me. Yeah, put it on. Oh, another rejection? That's okay, put it on me. Okay, I mean, I didn't get that job. That's okay, put it on me. It's the microwave. The reason why it's coming all at once is because he wants to get you where he wants to get you quicker. And so he's got to let it come in all out of flood. That's why sometimes you'll be like, man, it came from this direction. It came from that direction. It's coming from everywhere. It's because he's trying to speed up the process. I better tweet that. I spent all week on that. Don't expect to be mature. <laughs> oh, man. This is a crazy church. This is a crazy church. Uh, sometimes we're not the tree. Sometimes we're the owner. What's the owner's problem? Luke chapter 13, verse 7. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Three years. And every year I come, I was expecting it. Year one, I came. I really wasn't expecting much because I knew that a fig tree matures for two years. So year two, I came, but I came ready. And it wasn't there either. But you know what? I was patient. I was patient. I said, that's okay. Maybe you just need some more time. And so I came back in year three. But year three, there also were no figs. Still no figs on year three. What's the disappointment here? The disappointment is you were expecting it by now. But is there anybody who is expecting it by now? You were expecting to be not living with your parents by now. Yeah, I'll tell you who's not saying amen to that. <laughs> the guy was like, yeah, man, what the heck? Yeah. 
You were expecting your biceps to be ripping through the shirt by now. You expect, I mean, you've been at the gym, you know, five days. You were expecting, you were expecting. Where are all the fellas at who do one sit-up and then go walk to the mirror? Where you at? Come on, I know who you are. You know who you are. Ladies, too. You're like, okay, I see it there. Right? There it is. One pack down, five to go. You know, just, I see it. You're expecting to be happy by now. You were expecting to be free from that addiction by now. I mean, when you were 16, 17, that's one thing, but now you're 30. By now? You were expecting the treatment to work by now. Has anybody ever been disappointed by the now? Because what's happening now is not what you were expecting by now. That's you. Let me encourage you. Don't, don't let what you don't have now convince you that now you have nothing. Don't. I'll say it again if you're writing it down. Don't let what you don't have now convince you that now you have nothing. I'm going to take you back to that story with Zane and I in the car, my wife. Oftentimes, my wife and I will, like, engage our kids' logic. Like, we want the reason with them until they say something unreasonable. Then it's like, this conversation is over. What you said is unreasonable. So we're trying to explain to him. You don't always get toys for behaving. This is why we behave. And he asks questions, and we give answers. And he asks questions, and we give answers. But then when our logic prevailed, he, 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 he abandoned logic. And so he looks at us and he goes, he goes, but, 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 but I want the toy. And I said, okay, but, but I don't understand why you're so upset. He's what he said. He said, because I have no toys. <laughs> no toys. You are an absent father who has not given me presents and abuses me and I have no toys. And at that point, conversation was done. I'm like, bro, I talk to my kids like this. You got four cupboards. Is it a cupboard or a cabinet? Four cabinets full of toys. What do you mean you don't have no toys, right? What was happening? He was allowing what he didn't have now to convince him that now he had nothing. Look at the parable again. You know what I find interesting about this parable is that it wasn't the gardener who was upset. I can get, I can get it if it was the gardener who was upset because he's just like a low-wage, minimum-wage employee. I'm sweating for this guy. He doesn't even appreciate my work. The guy who's upset is the owner of the garden. The owner of the garden. And let me tell you something. This isn't your mama's garden. Although I don't know, to be fair, what your mama's garden looked like. I assume that it was a small garden in the backyard. The word garden is the correct word that's translated, but it's not really a garden. It would, be more, it would be more accurate to call it a farm. Why do we know this? Because he had a hired worker, which means that his garden was not a hobby, it was his economy. If he has a hired worker, it's because the hired worker is there to produce. So this is, so what, is, what, what I mean to tell you, what I'm trying to tell you is the one tree that wasn't working was not the only tree he had. 
he had a farm full of trees. And we know that those trees were producing good fruit. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Because it says it in the verse. It says right there in 13.8, uh, why should it use up the ground? In other words, he's saying the ground is fine. It's this tree that's the problem. I know the ground is fine because all the other trees are producing. So what I'm trying to tell you is he's got a garden full of trees. He's got baskets full of fruit. And I don't want you to be like this owner. I don't want you to own a field full of God's favor, to own a field full of God's mercy, to own a field full of family, a field full of blessings, a field full of protection, a field full of God's love, and not be able to enjoy it because you can't stop focusing on the one thing you see now. Don't let what you see now convince you that now you have nothing. Do you know how much you have? And you might say, well, I, I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't have a lot. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let, let's bring Jesus back into the picture. And let's talk about another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is walking in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's talking to his disciples and he's getting them ready for his execution. And look what he says, John 16, 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. When he's saying here on earth, what's he saying? Now... You have many trials and sorrows. Now, I can relate with that. Amen. I got many trials and sorrows. I got, got to go to work after this service. I guess a lot. I, it's now, I get it. Now I have problems. Look what he says. But I, but take heart, be encouraged, perk up, smile, laugh. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now, 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 the first part I can get, but the second part I don't understand. Because he's saying that he has overcome the world, but he hasn't even gone to the cross yet. He hasn't even been resurrected yet. He hasn't even been seated at the right hand of the Father yet. So my question is, how can you have something you don't have? I have overcome the world, but they haven't even arrested him yet. I have overcome the world, but you haven't even taken the nails yet. I have overcome the world, but you haven't even resurrected yet. I have overcome the world, but you haven't even ascended yet. What, what are you talking about? And what you have to understand is that Jesus doesn't talk in the past tense or the present tense or the future tense. Theologians had to explain this to us because theologians have been trying to understand that verse. How can you say you have something that you don't have? And the word that they gave us, and is it okay if I teach a little bit today? You'll learn a little bit of theology. It's good for you. It's for, he, he goes, theologians said, listen, it doesn't work that way. We have to create another tense of time. There's past tense. It happened. There's present tense, it's happening. There's future tense, it will happen. Theologian had to invent a whole other one for Jesus. It's called the aorist tense. And here's what the aorist tense is. It's talking about something in the future like it's already passed. And so, and so he, he tells the disciples, he goes, I have already overcome aorist tense. Why? Because even though it, I don't have it now, I know that I have it. And you need to understand this, disciples, because in a few hours, you're going to be staring at a tree. You're going to be disappointed because you weren't expecting that, the tree to look like that. And now you're, now you're disappointed because, because I didn't match your expectations. He goes, but remember what I said in the garden before any of this happened. Don't be fooled by what you see now. 
Come on, somebody. Don't be fooled by what you see now because you might see, you might see stripes, but I see healing. You might see condemnation, but I see freedom. You might see death, but I see life. You might not see it now, but in a few hours, I'm not even going to be on this tree. And in a few days, I'm not even going to be in that tomb. And in a few weeks, I won't even be on this earth. You got to believe that you have now what you don't have now, that God is bringing it and that he's got it and that you got a hold of it. Has anybody got it now, even though they ain't got it now? Come on, stand up on your feet right now. Stand up on your feet as we close. Does anybody got it now, even though they don't have it now? I wish you would worship God like you already have the victory. I wish you'd worship God like you already got the marriage. I wish you'd worship God like you already got the job. You don't got it now, but you got it now. You have it. You have it because he gave it. I have it. Is there anybody in church tonight, this morning, this afternoon, who could say, now I got trouble, but I have overcome the world. Now my family's falling apart, but my family's coming together. I have it. Now my health is deteriorating, but I have my health. Now my poverty is kicking in, but I have my riches. Can you declare simultaneously? I have it. I don't have it. I have it. I have one more verse, but that's all right. You can take it. Sometimes we're the gardener. I'll only take two minutes on this. Sometimes we're the gardener. There's two people there. There's this tree. And the tree's got two people around him. The owner and the gardener. The owner says, cut it down. But you planted me. Have you ever been disappointed by people? People who you expected to care for you. People who you expected to love you. People who planted you. Who's supposed to protect you. Now they abandon you. Cut it down. Here's the thing with people. People will never, people will always expect you to be the same. Here's the expectation. I don't want you to have the expectation of the owner. I want you to have the expectation of the gardener. Because the gardener says, one more year. The gardener says, give me another chance. Why? Here's what I want you to leave here with today. Because the gardener expects things to change. And here's the expectation I want for you when you leave this room today. I want you to expect change. I want you to expect change in your marriage, expect change in your health, expect change in your mind, expect change in your body, expect change in your family, expect change in your spirit, expect change in your soul, expect change in your school, expect change in your workplace, expect change in your kids, expect change in your kids, expect change in your kids, expect change, expect it, expect it, expect it. And I'll tell you what, I'm so grateful that I have a gardener who never gave up on me. When I was dysfunctional, when I had issues, when I was broken, when I wasn't producing, he looked at me and he said, judgment says you should be cut out. But I say one more year, I'm not giving up on you. I'm gonna stick with you through the disappointment. I'm gonna stick with you through the hurt. I'm gonna stick with you through the addiction. I'm not letting you go anywhere. I'm gonna be with you. I'm so grateful. And let me fast forward you. 
Let me fast forward you. Are you ready? Let me fast forward you. Next year, he gets all of his buddies and they walk into the garden. And what tree do you think he's bragging about? Forget that. Forget that. Let me bring you here. Do you see that? And they go, those snakes are big. Yeah, but you should have seen it last year. But I worked it. I dug it. I put some manure on it. I never gave up on it. I stuck with it. And look at them now. You've been wondering why God put you through disappointment. And it is because your disappointment is God's distinction. What you're disappointed, God's going to brag about. Because he's going to turn it around. All we got to do is stay planted. Dig, Lord, dig. Dig, Lord, dig. Do what you got to do. My expectations aren't on people anymore. And my expectations aren't on me. My expectations are on the gardener to get out of me what he put in me. And as long as you place your expectations on God, you will never be disappointed. Lift up your hands. Let's give expectations. Let's put our expectation on God. Thank you, Jesus. Give me five more minutes. I want to ask nobody to move. Maybe there's somebody here today who says, I just need one more chance. Just give me one more year, God. I just need one more chance. Maybe you've been running away from the Father. You know that this is where you belong, but it's taken some time to get you here. I want you to know that God is not upset at you. He's not mad at you. He's been waiting for you. He knew you weren't ready then. That's why he let you go. But you're ready now. It's time to come home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's give a moment of privacy for those that God's dealing with. If you need Jesus in your heart right now, if you want to invite the gardener to come work on the branches of your life, I'm going to count to three. Here's what I want you to do at three. If that's you, I want you to shoot your right hand up in the sky as a signal. Yes, Jesus, come live in my heart. I need your mercy and your grace. I want to start new today. Are you ready? One, two, three. All over this building right now. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, make some noise for the people who are making a decision to come back home to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.